Hello and welcome to the Winging It podcast, episode four, travelling with Rachel Fox. <laughs> Rachel has ex- travelled extensively in Central and South America, Europe, and a bit of Asia and New Zealand. Uh, let's get on the show and talk us about some of those stories and some of those experiences on record. Rachel, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Hi. Um, I would say thanks for having me as a guest, but I think I invited myself. So. You did, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> thanks for accepting my invitation to be your guest you're not the first one don't worry <laughs> so where are you what's going on um I am currently in Wellington in New Zealand um so uh and we've uh I mean oh my god right so me and my partner Aaron we've been here for the last I think about three three and a half years now we've yeah. kind of yeah just been in Wellington yeah and COVID is not really, well, it did affect you at the start, but then you guys are back to normal, right? Yeah, we're kind of the envy of the world at the moment. Um, I think how to get a visa in New Zealand is kind of one of the most Googled terms of 2020. Really? Um, yeah, so we have been, you know, extraordinarily lucky here. Um, combination, I think, of, of being at the absolute end of the world, being an island nation, and having kind of you know good governance and good government um but yeah we had a short sharp lockdown of maybe about two two three months this time last year Pretty and since, it? yeah it was it was really hardcore like um the only time you were allowed to leave your house was to go for a walk or to go to the supermarket you couldn't buy anything online you couldn't get a takeaway coffee you couldn't you know you were just at home yeah. And the only people that could go to work were like um, hospitals, pharmacists and supermarkets. There was nothing else to do. Um, and that maybe lasted that kind of bit of it lasted maybe four, four, five weeks. And then we mm-hmm. had a kind of a little, you know, we were allowed to get a takeaway. We were allowed to, you know, buy something online um, for maybe yeah. three weeks. And since kind of end of May last year, beginning of June, we've been back to pretty much normal mm. I think when so, you said yeah. you were based in Wellington I think there would be a collective sigh amongst the people listening like oh really yeah because yeah. everyone else is still including here in Vancouver which is like I guess the equivalent of tier two we can I think we can still go out like for a meal in a bubble and a coffee oh, okay yeah um, and we can get in a car and drive up north or wherever you want to go but not really let go like you still have to follow certain rules but you guys are yeah. having gigs now and people in restaurants and that sort of stuff right yeah so we've had a summer of festivals obviously it's just kind of ticking into autumn now it's late summer early autumn but over the summer we've had festivals we've had gigs we've had you know all all sorts of things um we have had a couple of sort of mini lockdowns mainly focused in Auckland um but here in Wellington we've been been really lucky um the main and I suppose the real big caveat to all of this is that we're not allowed to leave the country and no one's allowed to come in so yeah that's the um that's the trade-off for you know normal life but do you know what must be worth it right because everyone else is still struggling so you've, you've absolutely smashed over there yeah absolutely like you know for the whole country I know New Zealand's got a reasonably small population but um the whole country there's been I think 25 COVID deaths Mm -hmm. and you know we're all here 
you know, restaurants are open, businesses are doing well, you know, obviously tourism's not doing great, but, you know, the, the trade-off compared to when you look at places like, you know, in Europe or the States, oh, it's probably yeah. worth it. Because Canada's normal. Nah, it's carry on. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, so people might ask, how do we know each other? So um, Emma and I were in New Zealand on a work visa at the back end of around 2017. Uh, look at the year right there and you guys were there after your trip in central south america mm-hmm. and we met and i'm gonna put this on record i don't care who fucking hears this <gasps> no i was at a job that's in the top three worst of all time moe can do one so me and you in the same job and mm-hmm. it was a call center job and it were like lab rats at the bottom of the building right no windows couldn't go out Basement. anywhere Basement, yeah. yeah, basement rats, really. Um, so we met there, and you didn't really stay, you probably stayed about a few weeks. I can't remember now. Um, so yeah, we had arrived in New Zealand, I think maybe early November time, and um, yeah. because uh, for, for those that don't know, um, Christmas is obviously kind of the start of the summer holidays in New Zealand so everyone gets like you know a good two weeks off and to get the two weeks paid you had to work a month (laughs) before (laughs) before you started so I think I stayed there five weeks just to get the paid leave (laughs) and then as soon as we went back after Christmas I noped out of there yeah, I think you you left there, and I left like maybe a week or two weeks later. And I think so yeah, I, you, I, mean, I think I was well. the only thing keeping you there. I think you so. were. We can believe how bad it was, right? Oh, it's got to be the worst job I've ever had as well. It's um, only second worst to the other job I had, which was another call center job. So they're both shit, aren't they? So I think I think the biggest problem was that um, we were obviously an IT support desk, but we had no training and we didn't know anything <laughs> about IT. <laughs> we had to like. Yeah, we so have to like, advise teachers how to use an app. Yeah. Yeah, when, when teachers, it. like real professionals with busy jobs doing, you know, good things would phone us up and ask for IT help. And our answer was, I don't know. I can, I can do a password reset. Would that help you? No, I don't need that. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Um, do you know how to use the application? No, never used it. Oh, okay. And where'd you go from there? I don't know where you go. Oh, it's awful. It made me actually quite anxious. And the reason I left is because I had enough, like, no job lined up. I went to Australia to go and watch some T20 cricket. Um, okay. No, nah, it wasn't a cricket World Cup. No, nah, it wasn't a cricket World Cup. Um, and I met some friends over there and I thought, you know what? I'm going to take a week off and risk it. And people at, the, at that job are like, oh, see, so what are you leaving New Zealand? I'm like, well, I'm sort of like weighing it up. I, c- I couldn't have the heart to tell them that your job is shit, mate. And I don't want to stay there. I'm sorry. Oh, I told them. Yeah, you told them. I know, yeah. <laughs> And one of our friends, Trina, who might be listening, I don't know, she's here in Vancouver. I think she caused a bit of trouble towards the end of her uh, stint there by um, not doing any work, not getting on the calls. But anyway, let's not talk about that. Let's not bring it down. So let's go back to the start of that trip. You and Aaron left UK um, and you went to Central and South America. So talk, talk to me about how it came about uh, when you left and r- a rough plan or route that you had in your head. Um, yeah, so we left we left the UK in February of 2017, um, and it had been something that had been in the pipeline for a little while um, and kind of evolving. I had always wanted to go to 
South America. Um, and then when originally when I had said to Aaron, um, I really want to go traveling. Do, do you want to come? And he was like, nah. Classic Aaron. And um, <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go anyway. And within 24 hours, he was like, don't leave me. I'll come too. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that that was, I'm not sure when that was, maybe 2015, we kind of had that conversation. And um, at the time we were living in Brighton, which is obviously a very high cost of living area. Yeah. Um, and it took us a good, probably 18 months to save up enough money to go um we moved out of our flat and moved in with um Aaron's dad for a little bit then Aaron's sister then we lived um with some friends just kind of moving around trying to get the cheapest rent that we could um and we were really lucky at the time that we had jobs that allowed for overtime Mm -hmm. so we would do kind of you know 10 plus hours a week of overtime um on top of you know like a 40 hour week just to kind of save up enough money to go I think we even took second jobs for a little while as well it mm-hmm. it, it, it wasn't you know kind of easy um but we saved up ten thousand pounds each and we well, bought nice yeah um because during that process as well we decided that we were going to go traveling and um Aaron had asked his work for a sabbatical and they had said you can take four weeks <laughs> Which isn't really a sabbatical, is it? No, I, and um, I've got six had, months in my mind. That's why I assume. Was yeah, that's what we kind of thought what sabbatical was. Um, and he, you know, fair enough, had said, "I don't want to leave the UK. You leave my job, you know, for three months or six months or whatever, and come back unemployed, you know." And I've, 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 we've only been gone a few weeks, yeah. really. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I think that's fair. So. Um, And then Brexit happened and that was kind of the real big push that we were like, right, well, we're just going to buy a one-way ticket yeah, and we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. So considering um, we had kind of saved up for so long and this plan had been in train for so long, we were actually had no real plan. We're not very good at at planning. Um, So we bought a one-way ticket from Gatwick to Cancun. Yeah, start uh, off in that, that really like non-touristy off the roads place, right? Cancun. Well, do you know how much my, our flights were? Two hundred pounds each. Cheap as, yeah. Cheap as to just go to Cancun, and we literally got like left the airport and got on a bus somewhere else. But you know, it was just easy, cheap flight. Um, and then we had booked one other flight from Brazil mm-hmm. to New Zealand. Is that direct that flight? No interest. No. No. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I think you we can went, fly direct from Chile, maybe, right? Yes. Yeah, so we Athens. went, we were in Rio. We've, we've booked from Rio. Um, I think it was Rio to Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo to um, Santiago in Chile, and then mm. Chile to Auckland. Yeah. And then Auckland to Wellington. That one hour that? flight. Yeah. Done that few times. Yeah. So, um, so you, you flew into Mexico. So, yeah. So that's all we had planned was yeah. um, that we would, we gave ourselves eight and a half months to get from Mexico to Brazil and the only other kind of rule that we had gave given ourselves was that we wouldn't fly yeah I think that's our our rule next time we go we've done so many flights last trip um it can be a bit grim and I don't know I don't know if you're the same as this but too many flights 
makes me anxious on flights. Like I, I start to think I'm doing too many, I'm doing too many, and something's going to go wrong. Of course it's not, never has done, but even though it's like 20, 30 minute flights in Borneo, for example, that we've done now, like there's Malaysian Airlines, it's going to go wrong. No, it's absolutely fine. So um, I don't know if you feel that's... that way. No, but I think the thing that I really don't like about flying is um, that it's a really long process either side. Mm. You know, like you have to go to the airport and you have to wait in, you know, these kind of sterile looking rooms. And then you have to, you know, go through security and wait and then you get on a plane and they all look the same. And it's I don't know, whereas... Um, when you travel we we did most of ours by bus yeah you know you look out the window you see where you are yeah you meet people you mm -hmm. I don't know for it just felt a bit more but it does you know it obviously takes way longer but that's kind of what we liked about it um and I did actually kind of make a little list of all the things that we we managed to do uh or some kind of summary lists about yeah, about trip. love to hear this um I've not heard this by the way so this is brand new to me so uh, we spent eight and, a, eight and a half months in Central and South America. Um, in that time, we went to 13 countries. We did take one flight. We treated ourselves. <laughs> uh, we took 10 boats, yeah. 83 buses. <laughs> right. And we hitchhiked five times. Ah, that's awesome. Well, yeah. we got five different rides. We hitchhiked with one couple a couple of times. They picked okay. us up all the way back too. Um, <laughs> We went um, 18 meters below sea level while we were diving. Oh, great. And um, we climbed uh, 5,600 meters above sea level. Mm -hmm. We saw three wonders of the world. And um, I was quite astounded actually when I, when I worked this one out. Um, but we did a lot of walking on our trip. And we did 2,687 miles oh. of walking through the Andes. <laughs> so Aaron, who likes to sit at home and play his PlayStation, that must be a dream for him. <laughs> He's still recovering. <laughs> we've, um, we've actually got some stories. Um, that, that list is, un is unreal, and we could be here all day for every country, but I've got like a little selection of countries that I do want to touch on and get your mm -hmm. feedback on. The basic yep. ones I haven't been to, but we can also talk a few more if we want. So um, there's a boat story I want to get to, but um, we'll get to that in a bit. But that's from Colombia. But let's do, because in terms of geography, Costa Rica, did you go there? We did, but we actually really kind of flew through um, okay. on a bus, though, obviously. <laughs> um, we, we didn't spend, our huge focus was on South America. So we only yeah. spent maybe two months in Central America and the rest of the six and a half was all in South America um, and in Central America we did you know we did do quite a lot because we started in Mexico so um, and we also spent quite a lot of time in Honduras. Okay so um, Honduras um, yeah. to the outside world I guess oh that's dangerous oh you went there so what was your experience in Honduras? Um, it's, it's a little bit like anywhere. There are kind of some really dangerous um, parts to it. Mm -hmm. And we, we didn't hang around there. Um, I should also kind of preface all of what we're, we're saying here, actually, with the fact that um, my partner, Aaron, um, his mum is Spanish and he grew yeah. up, he went to school in Spain. So his Spanish is fluent. You know, he, yeah. it, it, he speaks Spanish like a Spanish person. 
Yeah, it wasn't um, come to that actually. Yeah, it's quite an important part of, I guess, the trip. Right? Yeah, so I think get, that that really needs yeah. to preface some of the stuff that we did and were able to do and some of the people we met because we were, you know, it was like traveling, you know, it, Spanish is his second language. So, how's your Spanish? I think that kind of mine is all right, actually. Um, I can understand Spanish better than I can speak it. Yeah. Like, I, like I can go on a Spanish speaking tour and understand what's going on. Okay. Yeah. But um, so it, it's fine for kind of you know information gathering, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm not as confident speaking it, and I think that partly that's because Aaron's so good. Yeah, that's an absolute result. People just you, talk to it? him. Yeah, you just yeah. sit there and just let him book the staff, get the meals in, get the drinks in. Yeah, I'd do the planning, he'd execute it. So that's kind of how we worked. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we went into Honduras from um, Guatemala. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine the map in my mind now. Um, And the the north of Honduras is beautiful. Like it's um, lots of ancient kind of um, Mayan ruins. Yeah, Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. Mayan, isn't it? In Central America and it's Inca in South. Um, yeah lots of Mayan ruins um, but the big draw for most people to go to Honduras is it's one of the cheapest places to learn to dive in the world oh, yeah. okay. and there's two islands um, off of Honduras um, Utila and Roatan I think they're okay. called probably should check that but definitely Utila um, and we spent quite a bit of time there like doing our dive course so you both on uh, yeah so we both learned to dive while we were were there and um those islands are both just surrounded by coral reefs and they're also home to like tiger sharks and yeah yeah so that was kind of our main um experience of Honduras um we did have an absolute (laughs) awful time getting out though what's Um, the next country after that you're going to is it what no that'd be Nicaragua Nicaragua right yeah I feel like a map (laughs) there's a little story here with a taxi ride or a car yeah so what had happened was um we had you know decided that we weren't willing to travel on public transport all the way through um the south of Honduras which is where like places like San Pedro Sula are Mm -hmm. and they they are just kind of dangerous and at the time we were there I think it was perhaps not quite as fraught and you know as um that region wasn't quite as bad as it is now mm-hmm. um but even so we were like now nah, we're gonna actually pay for like a private shuttle yeah and so we booked this private shuttle and it was supposed to take 12 hours for us to get um from Hondur- uh, from the um the islands yeah. um right down to kind of the top of of Nicaragua and um we get picked up and um the trip kind of starts a little bit weird to be honest like we're picked up and we're taken to a hostel and we're given some pancakes and we're like what is going on like it's just a bit a bit weird and like this hostel there's no there's no windows and we're just eating pancakes with some other people and we're like well this is this is bizarre um and then like an air-conditioned minivan kind of pulls Mm -hmm. up and takes all our luggage and we're like right yeah this is this is what we paid for yeah you know this is yeah this is what we've paid for you know quite a lot of money for as well and um we're in this minivan for like maybe an hour an hour and a half and then it pulls into a car park and um the driver points at me Aaron and this one other Australian dude and he was like you're you get out here and we're like huh (laughs) and all there is in this car park is us and this like 
absolutely clapped out Toyota. And he's like, your ride is going to pick you up from here. And we're like, okay. So we get out and we're all just standing there. And the guy's like, no. And points at the Toyota. And he's like, that's your ride. <laughs> and we're like, oh my God. So, you know, it's this banged up old Toyota. And there's me and Aaron in the back and the Australian guy in the front. And when I say Toyota, like, I mean a car, just a car. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And um, we'd been driving... Like we pull out the car park and he go, the driver goes and puts some petrol in it. And we're driving about 40 minutes and um, the car breaks down (laughs) and it turns out like it's overheating. And obviously it's Honduras, like it's like 35 degrees. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the whole time, you know. And um, the guy's like, yeah, the car's broken down, the car's broken down. So he phones um or he told us that he phones the shuttle company and they're like oh we're going to send another driver so we're sitting on the side of the road waiting for the car to cool down and for this other driver to come and about 40 minutes later he's like well well they're not coming (laughs) the car's (laughs) cooled down let's go and this continues for the next 12 hours we can't drive more than 35 miles an hour because the car will get too hot and we have to keep he has to keep like pulling over and pouring big like buckets of water over like like the inside of it to cool it all down how much this cost for him i can't remember how much it cost (laughs) honestly i'm traumatized but we get to um like we are so behind schedule and um we're supposed to be in Nicaragua like kind of 12 hours after we set off and 12 hours later we're not even like halfway down Honduras and um we kind of stop in San Pedro Sula for like some chips because we hadn't stopped anywhere we hadn't eaten we were just like you know this this is just hell and um it's kind of getting dark and the the driver's like I think it's going to be better now because um it's going to be cooler yeah. and we can go a bit mm-hmm. further and we're all just like okay whatever you know I, and yeah, um so we yeah. we I start say, driving like, this is classic mm. Asia and South America because you said about um you got on a bus but you, you got on the bus or the minivan at the start I found in Asia and South America and buses that it's never do you just get on the bus and go and there's always hanging around for two hours waiting for people to come on or it's just not leaving and you're like you're just sitting there like oh are we leaving or they're like yeah, yeah. we've got to wait you can't you can't get on the bus you've got to stay out <laughs> oh, okay but it's always delays it's never on time right it's classic well I'd say Central America is definitely like that yeah. but um yeah so we're driving it's dark and we're actually making some progress and it gets it's about midnight at this point considering we left at 8am and um we get stopped by the police like a, mm-hmm. a random Honduran kind of um you know roadblock and um the guy our driver didn't have the right documentation so he bribes the police as you do okay yeah he bribes the police they let us go but they've obviously just rang their mates because we get stopped again 20 minutes down (laughs) the road (laughs) (laughs) so they just take the money and then they they you know whatever yeah so um they they were like you don't have the right documentation and this is where you know aaron's 
Spanish is both a blessing and a mm. curse because he's listening to the whole conversation and mm -hmm. like translating it for us. And the police say to um, the taxi driver, you can't take these tourists over the border. Like you don't have the right documentation to be driving them and you definitely can't take them to Nicaragua. Mm -hmm. um, you need to take them to a hotel and pay for them to stay in the hotel and find a new driver for them in the morning. That's the conversation yeah. that was had. What happened was the taxi driver took us to a petrol station and made us sleep there. <laughs> In Honduras. How far from the border was that? <laughs> Too far still. Too, yeah. Yeah, like a good few hours driving. Dear me. So we spend the night sleeping. I say sleeping in the loosest possible term. It was probably the worst night I've ever had <laughs> on a petrol station forecourt while the, the taxi driver stands outside just smoking and bitching with his friends. Right. And he does not sleep. He sleeps for a couple of hours. Oh yeah. And he, yeah, and he kept saying to us, we're going to go to the bank at 8am tomorrow, the bank at 8 and we're like, mm, I don't know if anything in Central America opens at 8am. No right. It was 11am breakfast. So then we wake him up at 8am and he's like, oh yeah, the bank doesn't open till 10. <laughs> Why did you tell us 8 then, you know? <laughs> so then we're just all sitting there waiting and he drives us to the bank at 10 to go and get his documentation. He nearly crashes the car mm. as, uh, as we're off to the bank. We go to the bank and they can't give him the documents. And he's then like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm stuck with you lot. You know, we're, we've been in this car for 24 hours now. And we're Miss all Toilet. losing the will to live. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to drive you to the border. Yeah. And then we'll just work out what to do from there. Yeah. And we're like, okay, that's a plan. We can deal with that for now. And we're driving. And Aaron's got, like, the, the route up on maps. Mm -hmm. And... Um, we are 30 minutes drive from the border and we're like, oh my God, like we're going to make it. And uh, he blows a tire. <laughs> <laughs> and the driver was like almost crying. Like he's almost in tears. Like his car literally is just falling apart around us. I'll tell you what, it's, we a, were... it's a nightmare for you, but it's equally a nightmare for him, isn't it? Yeah, and mean? we were all so kind of sleep deprived and just we we couldn't stop laughing and there was like the three of us just lying on the floor crying with laughter while he's there like shouting in Spanish what's so funny like look at my car look at my tire <laughs> like, so we just can't just can't talk to you right now this is just too much yeah so he then phones his friend which is really bizarre he has a friend who lives down the road mm -hmm. um who cycles to us with a, with a jack Oh, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they replaced that bad tire from for another bald tire. Right. But he does get us to the border. Okay. And um, I think this is probably for me the absolute most annoying part of the story, because um, the the land borders in Central America are actually quite big. Like you yeah. you walk out of you know Nicaragua um, like out of Honduras mm. and then you have this whole stretch of land that you have to walk across and then you walk into Nicaragua do you, you know it's not just like a it's the same it's as a South big America. old 
yeah it's a big old kind of checkpoint almost and there's and there were some people um like um you know the little like bike tuk-tuks yeah that were there and um he's like I'll pay them to take your luggage and we're like nah it's fine we can just walk with it he's like no honestly like after everything that's happened you know this is maybe 30 32 hours after we left yeah and he's like after everything that's happened you know like I'll um I'll pay for them to take your bike your, your bags on these bikes so we all get on and we cycle across to the the passport stampy bit in Nicaragua and um they then scam us the bike oh. people because they're like nah he didn't pay Oh. <laughs> we're like we watched him pay yeah, we watched yeah. him yeah, you know um and then we had to pay them twice to get our luggage back yeah. we get over into Nicaragua finally and we had to take a chicken bus so chicken buses in Central America are those huge um yellow old American school buses all oh, right I got you. yeah um and they're called chicken buses because they will literally take anyone and anything and they will like absolutely cram them Mm-hmm. to the roof so obviously these buses are made for school children so they're not like the seats aren't big and you'll have like an entire adult family on those two seats <laughs> you'll have chickens and grain in the back you'll have you know dogs <laughs> at the front they'll just throw anything in um so we get this then chicken bus all the way to leon so what's the total hours in, in total from when you left the islands to, to leon um roughly maybe 30 coming up to 40 we were a whole day late for our hostel booking okay yeah yeah so that sounds um, to me like a trip that is worth doing that land border <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, that you know I, I feel like maybe this this podcast isn't going to help people to go traveling it's um, so good that yeah. we did <laughs> I think people realize that these things you know I've got loads of buses in South America and Asia where it's been fine like there's just nothing wrong with them but you got except occasionally like a broken down bus in Laos, I think. The yeah. First time we got a bus from Hanoi to Laos, which was 30, 38 hours or something. But that's, that's because it broke down, right? Yeah. I even think, God, I'm racking my brains in. I don't know if people at the time I was trying with like Mike might remember, but oh, can I put some record? I don't know. I think he ran over someone. Um, <laughs> and. <laughs> I'm, I'm after my brains here. We got we got out of the bus because he stopped. We didn't. There's no no tire burst. There's nothing really obvious until we got out. And uh, there's this bike. But there was just, a leg. <laughs> I think you saw like this bike like <laughs> on the road. And there's like a body. I don't really. I can't really remember. But from what I recall is that the police came, dealt with it, and then the bus just carried on. So wow. there's a, sort of the rumors flying around then. But um, buses you got to accept um, is good for cheap travel, but yeah, there's going to be stuff that happens on them. And I found um, South America buses um, pretty decent compared to Asia, but we'll come to South America in a bit. What is, so yeah, Central America, you spent your least amount of time there. I want to get to South America because it's where the places get really interesting. But Panama, do you go to Panama? Yes, we did. You don't meet hardly any people from Panama when you travel. I met one person and she was a air stewardess for Emirates, I think. Um, mm. But she could speak like six languages. Like pretty impressive yeah. but panama to colombia by boat mm. correct and yeah, there's another so, interesting story with that as well but panama what was panama like 
So Panama is um, it's really interesting, actually. So at the top of Panama, you've got um, Boca del Toro, which is like this series of beautiful islands that are mm -hmm. like, you know, tropical islands. And that's where most people, I think, spend a lot of time when they go to Panama. And it feels like, you know, it's, it's part of the Caribbean. So it's yeah. got that kind of Caribbean feel to it. But like Panama City, it kind of felt, you know, like London or probably somewhere like newer than London, but you know, like it was this huge kind of big urban built up city, lots of glass mm. skyscrapers. It's all tax free, isn't it? No one hates tax there, so that's fine. Ah, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Panama's tax free. But um, yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense, I guess, with all the buildings, right? <laughs> yeah, so it's just this really kind of um, quite contrast in place. Um, but I think, but we only went to Panama for one real big reason, to be mm -hmm. honest. Like, you know, we spent a bit of time traveling we haven't spent a huge amount of time there um but one of my big aims when we were going going planning this trip I say planning again we didn't do much planning um so to get between Central and South America from kind of Panama to Colombia mm -hmm. you can't travel by land yeah um Darien there's gap. a huge right? yeah mm -hmm. it's huge kind of area of land there called the Darien Gap and Darien it's gap, yeah. Um, I think it's jungle, yeah, it is, yeah. but it's yeah. just kind of, you know, it's not really governed by any law, like Panama stops and then there's the Darien Gap and then Colombia yeah, starts. Yeah, it's like a bit of land, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, it's used by, like, the cartel and, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just not somewhere. I think that, you know, even without all of that, like, the risk that comes with it, I think you would just, wouldn't be able to get through. Like, it would be, you know, like, weeks of walking through jungle, wouldn't mm. it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you've got two options when you fly from Central to South America or vice versa, or when you're traveling to them, you can fly, um, which I don't think is a very long flight. They no. can be quite expensive. Um, and the other option is that you can sail. Mm hmm. Sailing has kind of, or at least when we were there, I don't know what it would be like pre, like, you know, post COVID. Um, but it used to be just, um, like sailors that would go you know like they would take like you know goods and cargo, things and services yeah, yeah cargo and then people were like oh we couldn't have you know some travelers couldn't afford flights and so they would ask captains if they could go along yeah. you know pay the pay the captain get on the yeah. boat and go along i mean it's also a massive drugs route yeah um you know so you'd probably have to be careful what boat you go on <laughs> but now people do it you know these boats run it as a tourism thing mm -hmm. and so you can't decide when you're going to go you just have to go to Panama City and try and get a place on a boat but you can kind of pick the sort of boat you want like you know you can get some boats that have got like say 20 people on them mm -hmm. and they're like the party boats or oh, you God. yeah we went on a really small boat there was only four of us yeah. Plus the captain and um, one kind of his first mate. Is that what, <laughs> is that what you call Second in command, people? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Co-pilot? No. <laughs> no boat expert here, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's only six of us. So um, we had a very small boat, but yeah, that takes, usually it takes you around five days oh, wow. to get from Panama to Colombia. And yeah. it's three days of um, just sailing around what's called the San Blas Islands, which yeah. is this kind of remote group of islands. I think in a speedboat, it took us, you know, maybe an hour to two hours to get 
to the first island. Mm-hmm. So they're quite far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, map. Off the coast. And the yeah. islands, I think there's like 37 of them. That there's a huge amount of these islands. And they have um, an indigenous population mm-hmm. um, called the Kuna people who, who live there and they've always lived there. Um, and they've kind of got their own like language and their own traditions and their own ways of speaking. But you spend three days on this boat trip of just kind of sailing around the, the San Blas Islands. Mm-hmm. And then you spend two days of open water sailing to get to Cartagena in Colombia. Yeah. And am I right in saying, as you, that when you're floating to, to Colombia, that you saw a suitcase um, plodding along the Not water? Not quite, but it was me. So we, they had said to us, when we get on our boat, they're like, you know, this is a really, you know, well-known drug route. Um, you cannot have drugs on board. Like, you yeah. know, the, pe- the police will stop you. The police yeah. do patrol this route. You, you may see, you know, big, like I suppose in like, you know, breaking bad or whatever yeah. like the big bricks of white powder you you might see them floating do not get them yeah but if you see money floating which you might also see grab it those right. are kind of the instructions that we had <laughs> and there was um on our open sailing day there was a huge storm and there was a problem with our boat and like um at one point Aaron was like at the top of the mast trying to fix the sail and then like yeah like because it was such a small crew we were the crew on this boat Um, and so the captain was like running around barking these orders and there was me and one other girl and we were both just sat at the back we weren't given jobs and I think one of the reasons we weren't given jobs was because um we had taken so many um travel sickness seasickness tablets that we were just out of it it. (laughs) (laughs) I slept for like two days pretty much you know but I was woken up in this storm and um we're just sitting at the back of the boat and everything's going wrong everyone's kind of you know going crazy and I look out to the side and there is the biggest stack of um dollar bills I reckon it was like a million (laughs) dollars no word of a lie and I'm like in my little you know seasickness state I was like what the hell and I get this girl and I'm like look at that and she's like oh my god but it's this huge storm and the sail was broken and it wasn't like you know not that we could have jumped in the water anyway it wasn't like it it was too far to reach okay and it would have it would have taken turning the boat around right and you know everyone's trying yeah, it was so devastating. The only thing that makes me feel better is that it would have washed up on the Kuna, you know, on the San Blas Islands and the Kuna oh, yeah. people would have got it. Oh. And apparently they do get money and drugs. They get drugs which they sell back to Panama and then they <laughs> <laughs> they get money quite frequently. So that's the only thing that makes me feel better about that. But otherwise I could be sitting here as a millionaire. Yeah, if only. Although would I have been able to keep it? Yeah, probably. Right. Yeah, it'd be fine. Yeah. Um, plead ignorance. So to to sum up Central America, I know you didn't spend too much time there in terms of South America. If you had to sum up maybe top three things to do in Central America that you would advise, what would be the top three? Um, Tikal in Guatemala, which mm-hmm. is the ancient um, Mayan ruins. They were just absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, I think scuba diving in Honduras. Yeah is um 
yep that's number two um number three for us would be mexico and it's somewhere that we really want to go back to and just mm-hmm. spend more time it's just huge such country. a cool place yeah, yeah, yeah huge we you know didn't see that much of it but what we did see we really liked i just want to go and eat I just want to go eat their food the food was amazing yeah. okay so my south america i've been to south america before but there's two places on my hit list i've not been to mm-hmm. and columbia is on there so yep. columbia you've been to and yeah on our trip we're gonna chuck in a month in, in south america where we want to just stay somewhere get an airbnb maybe and i want to learn spanish so i wanted to stay somewhere for a month and just like maybe go and get taught spanish or speak spanish to some people and the question is where now i've been to some places that i would love to go back and stay example would be cusco great place a bit touristy yeah. but but top of my list near the top is medellin in colombia yeah. Now people are like, oh my god, it's Escobar country. Now it's like twenty years ago, mate. But Medellin, you love it there, don't you? And you would recommend it. We absolutely love it there. Um, to the point that we were researching how to stay and live oh, wow. in Medellin. What's the um, what gets you there? Is it just a? It's quite arty, right? And it's very it's arty. It's it's trendy, really really beautiful. It's a really cool um, city, yeah. and they've done lots of things in there to kind of make it like inclusive so um there's all the, the little cable cars in and out of mm-hmm. the districts there's an amazing like art gallery um and science museum there um it's also called um the city of eternal spring um okay. because the weather is amazing it's like a warm spring day all year round dream that is the absolute dream like it's there's no humidity it's high up no snow. they've got some like really beautiful gardens no snow no <sighs> altitude sickness yeah i'm doing it and there's some um amazing towns kind mm-hmm. of just around around there like and places to travel to and um like one of our favorite places that we went all in actually is just a couple of hours outside of medellin it's called watape um okay. And most people go there for a day. It's got a giant rock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I feel like there's a better way to describe <laughs> the rock. <laughs> um, the I mean, rock Australia's got a great rock. Is it as good as that? <laughs> I'd say it's better. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, it's a giant granite rock. Oh, it does have steps. Look at one here. <laughs> granite rock. We've got the second biggest in the world down the road. Me and, oh, me really? and Adam in the last uh, podcast episode, yeah, we climbed up the chief. It's huge. Maybe, maybe I've oversold the rock at what I've No, carry on, carry on. <laughs> um, but yeah, most people just go, they see the rock and then they, they go back to Medellin. But we spent a few days there and I'd, it's just one of our favourite places. It's just such a cool little town. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I'd be really jealous if you spent a week, um, a month, sorry, in, in Medellin. Yeah, that's some of the list. Um, it's not confirmed because we need to maybe travel a bit around and not, too, not, not really put plan on it. Like if we think somewhere we want to stay, yeah, we'll stay there. Um, also, just, um, just from a kind list. of practical point of view, Colombian Spanish is good Spanish to learn. Yeah, yeah. Because um, for anyone who doesn't know, the, the Spanish varies massively across the whole region mm. and um, Chilean Spanish is very difficult. Rubbish. Argentinian Spanish Too is quick. spoken quite differently yeah. to where Spanish is spoken anywhere else. I think you might struggle if you learn Argentinian Spanish. It's weird because like, you, you, you say that and then every country I've been in South America speaks Spanish and like, oh, you can't go there because it's slang, chili. Argentina, yeah. oh, it's too quick. And you get Bolivia, 
Um, they don't, they speak slowly, but not maybe as a whole speak the best Spanish in terms of like learning the correct words. Like, right, okay. So where is it? It's Colombia. So, okay. Colombia is. Yeah, Colombian Spanish is good. It's easy to understand. Yeah. Okay. So Colombia is on my hit list. It's probably my top 10 list of places to go. Um, can't wait to go there. Where else it's in, in South America? Top three. Top three. Yeah, for South America. There. It was our top three. And countries. is it still in your top top lists, even though you've been? Would you oh, go that's back? what I'm saying. It, it is our top. Like out of the places we went in South America, Colombia is, I think, number two of wow. best. And would you go back, even though yes. you've been there? You would. Yes. Where else in in South America would you race? I love Bolivia because um, from the cheapest place in South America. I'm not sure if you do, but um, some great sites across the country because west you've got the salt flats east you've got the amazon and in the middle you've got like la paz and sucre which are really interesting cities and Potosi, I... which is really high up i didn't like bolivia mm, that's my fear for a f- but we had so this is i suppose maybe we're not planning and also trying to be different bite you in the ass a bit so we spent i think we spent a month in bolivia yeah, same. And yeah. maybe a bit longer. And we arrived and everyone kind of, you know, the, the typical route is into La Paz because we came obviously from, we came from Ecuador. Okay. So we came, went into, I think, yeah, we must have, oh no, sorry, not from Ecuador. We came from Peru. So we went yeah, in we via went Lake Titicaca. Yeah, same. Then we went to La Paz and um, most people just then kind of go over to the salt flats, maybe Sucre, and then they kind of head back out. Mm-hmm. And I said to Aaron, I was like, all oh, these tourists, they only <laughs> do these, you know, they only do these few things. I want to see everything. We went to every single city in Bolivia, and there is a reason why people don't go to them. Oh, right. <laughs> I yeah I remember we we just stuck to so yeah we came from from Lake Titicaca I had the worst time on that lake because I had the ships and I think the, that the, that's the, something that you're gonna get in South America like you, you it, are, central on a yeah. boat it's a nightmare because we've we got the floating islands and I'm trying to keep it together and I'm I think I was sick as well on the floating islands yeah I, I was oh. sick as well it's both ends there's a crappy toilet on the boat I just really struggled on that trip um I think I had some dodgy chicken the night before, but I mentioned the, the thing you mentioned earlier about like the random borders in South America. So I seem to recall that once you get through Peru, um, there's like the Bolivia border was like just way in the distance, like in the middle of a mountain somewhere, like down the bottom of it. It's like one hut and one guy there, and it's a big queue. Oh, it's just the border, yeah. like no idea. But yeah, so we stuck, we got through from there, and then we went to Sucre and La Paz. Um, and Potosi, I don't think we went anywhere else. Um, but there's three reasons, really. Potosi has a silver mine, which we done a tour on. You can actually buy some dynamite, dynamite at the market and some cocoa leaves. And then we went to La Paz because a lot of stuff goes on there. But we've we done Death Road because why not? Yeah. And Sucre is, is just a nice place to be, I think. I can't remember doing much in terms of an activity, but I found a place quite nice to walk around and hang out for a while. But yeah, you, you could go to nice. Cochabamba. Yep. That's like east side towards the Amazon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we went to Coroico, which is near La Paz. I'm just on a map at the moment. Yeah. Um, 
I think we went to Chalapata as well. Okay. Chalapata. Um, and then, you know, down into the, to the salt flats and out yeah. into, yeah. So we, uh, oh, I think we went, yeah, we went to Ayuni. That's where the salt flats is, isn't it? Yeah, that's where the salt flats are. Yeah, I watched the, I think I watched the World Cup final there. Seems really cool. But um, um, yeah. Yeah, so we saw, we saw a lot of Bolivia. The salt flats are obviously incredible. Yeah, you know, amazing. the 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 bits around that with all the flamingos and stuff um death road was amazing i pers- i didn't enjoy it okay but, but just because i thought i was going to die oh, so that, yeah, yeah I, thought it was quite and, cool. um, I thought i'd try and keep up with the um the speed guys at the front um and i kind of scared myself around a few corners but they're like literally like because it's downhill people so you start at the top and go down so there's no need for basically pedaling you just need to break and I was like trying to keep yeah. up and I scared myself and I thought I'd just fall back a little bit here. And Well, we went, yeah, we went in a group, obviously, and yeah. um, it was led by someone who is a professional downhill biker. Mm-hmm. And Aaron spent the entire day with the biker and they were <laughs> overtaking each other and, you know, having fun. And I was at the very back next to the um, the van, you know, the support yes, the van. <laughs> And yeah. at one point, the support van was like stopped because I was going <laughs> so slowly. Um, yeah, it was obviously it's, it's really cool. It's it's really cool thing to do, but mm. it's pretty terrifying. So yeah, we need to crack on to New Zealand. Um, but before that, did you cross into top of Chile, or did you go? Yeah, so we no, we went into Chile. And in Chile, we went all the way down to, um, we basically actually went to the very bottom point of South America. We went all the way down to Ushuaia mm-hmm. um, and into Patagonia, like all around Patagonia. And then we went up into Argentina from there. Yeah, I think the last story we need, um, I'm going to put on record that Atacama in northern Chile, definitely worth visiting. Um, yeah. It's a moon valley there and it's a cool little town. But in Patagonia, you and Aaron nearly died on a hike, right? We've nearly died on many hikes, actually. Yeah, well, Aaron has brought. But, um, uh, but yes, there is a famous hike in um, Chile um, called Torres del Paine. Uh, well, the park is called Torres del Paine. And it's this huge kind of um, park in Patagonia. Mm-hmm. And you can do walks there. And the famous walk is the W, yeah. which is like a W-shaped circuit. And um, you want to see the Torres which is the towers that's kind of these big rocks over a lake and Mm -hmm. you know so it's it's I think it was four days of walking to see these rocks um and Patagonia is insanely expensive it's the sort of place you go when you're like middle-aged and you've got loads of money yeah that's like where you know there's not a huge amount of backpacker tourists there but I really 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 wanted to go and we'd managed to kind of like get all the way down there and um to save money we decided to camp and it was like winter <laughs> <laughs> so we had that I keep saying poor Aaron because I just know what he would think about this but carry on and um so we're doing this walk and the first day you sleep next to a glacier mm-hmm. and so we're like next to a glacier in a tent cool. in winter yeah She's like oh. probably the coldest I've ever been. <laughs> the second day it rains. <laughs> and then we're just like walking around. It was all right actually. And then we got, you know, to a bit of snow. Um but the the third day, so 
Patagonia is really famous for kind of like crazy wind yeah. and um, worse than Wellington, I reckon. Um, and the third day is these kind of walks along like a cliff top that's next to a, a big lake. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really beautiful, but it's a lot of exposed up and down over this kind of cliff face. And we pack up our little tent and we start walking. And I think we'd been gone maybe 10 minutes and there was a gust of wind that like, no, I think it's got to be hundred mile an hour because okay. it blew me off my feet and I'm like about to go over the side of this cliff and Aaron grabs me by that, like grabs me. I don't even know how he grabbed me. Yeah. And then we're both like on the floor holding onto a tree okay. and um my bag had like gone over the top of my head and I've somehow pulled you know like every single muscle in my back Mm. and that's 10 minutes into you know a six hour day of walking (laughs) and um so Aaron has to take both of our bags yeah and the wind is so bad that every time we get to an exposed bit I sit on the floor and Aaron crawls on his hand and knees and he takes one bag over the top of the ridge and then ties it to a tree and he crawls back and he gets the other bag and then we both crawl across the top. All Aaron wants we... to do is just play on COD at home, <laughs> listen to his heavy metal music and you've got him trekking in the mountains of Patagonia. He didn't even really want to like go, on, did on he? So we managed that process for maybe four or five hours (laughs) and we get off of these ledges and um, we meet a couple who are coming the other the other way and Mm -hmm. we were like you've got to be really really careful because it's really dangerous and they're like yeah it's really dangerous the way you're coming Um, what you need to do is every time the wind starts you just need to sit down (laughs) oh my god okay so um then we're walking and in fairness I don't think it was quite as bad you know my back Mm. was starting to feel better I was able to take my own bag again yeah um but we get to the top of this hill and um we could see like in the distance at the bottom of the hill the the refugio which is where we're and the campsite which is where we're supposed to stay oh yeah And it suddenly pours down with rain, like torrential rain, sideways rain. And the whole walk is switchbacks looking at the campsite that we don't seem to be getting any closer to. (laughs) Kind of reminds me of Japan, we, um, on Mount Fuji, I mean, with rain, like, rain's got different levels. And I don't think it's the same level as you, but on our hike, it absolutely lashed down all the way up pretty much to the top and then on the way back down and it gets to the point where rain where you give up you accept you're soaked never gonna get dry and you just you just soak there's no there's, you, the hope is gone yeah. and switchbacks they were a nightmare on the way down we could see where we're getting back down to and it's never got closer so I guess it's the same as yeah. that the same and we had said we were like you know we can't camp but we just can't do it like we're never ever going to get dry and um Aaron's like I am going to try and bargain because the refugio is like to stay in the places yeah it's like a hundred US dollars each a night each, for, a, bloody hell. Yeah. for a dorm <laughs> like because there's nothing else there you've got no yeah. choice yeah and he's like I'm gonna bargain like I can do it he's he's a very good haggler yeah and he's like okay 
and we walk in and the lady's there she's like you know finally get there and we walk in and before Aaron's even managed to open his mouth I burst into tears and I'm like please don't make me sleep outside (laughs) (laughs) and he's like 200 US dollars business ruthless and Aaron's like you ruined it (laughs) (laughs) you played all our cards like I suppose Aaron wasn't crying at this point. um, (laughs) Okay, so Patagonia's worth doing then, based on your recommendation. Have you realised that all the story's been, like, not bad, I wouldn't say bad, but, like... (laughs) Yeah, that's what I meant, like, you know, maybe I'm not convincing people to go travelling. Okay, let's get somewhere that we do both recommend, New Zealand. So you fly to New Zealand, and like we said before, I I mean, Wellington. So we, before we arrived in Wellington, we rented a camper van out in Auckland, Mm-hmm. rookie mistake don't book the same place dropping off because we booked in Auckland and decided to before finishing the trek um down to South Island take it back to Auckland don't do that I recommend kind of dropping off somewhere in South Island anyway yeah we've done three three weeks in Ivor Island and we tried to see as much as we want to try and decide where to live I've already decided in my mind it's Wellington because I've been there before four hours uh, four years before but New Zealand is Definitely in my top five places I've been to and also somewhere that I'd highly recommend to live for at least for a year on a work permit if you can get one post-COVID. North Island and South Island are completely different, right? So Wellington at the bottom of North Island is your gateway to the south. And North Island has all these volcanic type territories, right? So you've done, Mm -hmm. I guess, living there quite a bit of North Island. Imagine Taupo, Mount Manganui, you've done probably the Tongariro Cross and I think you've done that. Uh, Napier as well as well as the west yes yeah we've done we've done quite a lot actually yeah so um the Hawke's Bay we spent a lot of time in the Hawke's Bay in the Coromandel yeah a lot of time like kind of yeah New Plymouth Taranaki um Topor Wellington kind of the the route yeah the only thing we've really got left to do is we will do a big Northland trip Oh yeah, we did uh, go to Auckland Which is kind of like trip. Auckland up to Cape Reinga. Yeah, we got to Cape Reinga. Um, and I think it's 90 or 100 mile beach where I was up there. Yeah, um, yeah. We've not been that way yeah. yet. It's quite desolate, but it's definitely worth to tick off your list. Mm. So Rachel, Aaron, uh, myself and Emma done a quick trip to Coromandel when we were there in 20, it must have been 2018, Easter yeah. I think. And I think it was on a whim. You know, I remember from that trip that went kind of bad as my car kind of smashed the window screen so I don't even remember why did you smash the window screen James what because happened? it told me to go 30 kilometers an hour and I started to go 60 or 70 and there's a big <laughs> pothole in the road they can't tell me what to do um yeah so what happened is we were just driving I think that must be near Talpo and uh yeah I actually thought I got away with it until we got a bit of daylight or a bit of sun not sunlight <laughs> yeah I think we light. woke up didn't we and was like oh oh yeah the mass was cracking the screen from top to bottom yeah um, but we, we scrambled to ring the garage and they said oh don't worry about it it'll be fine so, fair enough, typical kiwi way don't yeah. worry <laughs> and um i would highly recommend getting a camper van for new zealand um, I, ha- I have done the kiwi experience before um when i was much younger and if you're younger it's a great way to meet people and to not book too much yourself like they take care of it but south island is a different level right uh, the south island is pretty incredible it's so vast and mm-hmm. from Milford Sound to Queenstown 
up until I guess Nelson I love Nelson as well I would highly recommend all of South Island right yeah yeah I don't think there's anywhere actually in the South Island or maybe even actually in New Zealand as a whole that I would say nah probably wouldn't recommend it Hamilton you know don't bother with that oh yeah maybe don't bother with Hamilton or Palmy <laughs> oh Palmerston North yeah don't go there um, um Queenstown but... is, is is unbelievable setting right I know it's a bit cliche because everyone's like oh Queenstown but when you climb up um the cable car up to the sort of like the tubing or the lubing whatever it's called lugeing at the top and you yeah. look over and you see the plane that's coming to land in Queenstown and goes through the valley with the the water it's a pretty incredible view yeah um it's a bit of a pie town a bit of a traveler town but the setting's unbelievable not at the moment oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, um so there yeah we went from south there to Milford Sound and again Milford Sound is pretty incredible it's quite lucky to get a day without rain I think everyone I know who does not live in New Zealand like my parents have come to visit my friends have come to visit you guys obviously we were here for a year but then you've left everyone who leaves gets a sunny day (laughs) everyone who lives here and has committed we all get rain I'm like that's not fair we have no rain we pay our Our taxes It rains um, 300 days a year there. Yeah. So, um, and if it doesn't rain for, I think it's four days, it's considered a drought. So <laughs> you're, you're doing pretty well if you get a sunny day. I think the equivalent for Europe, probably Norway, I'd imagine has some sort of similar mm. experiences. But um, yeah, there's incredible views down there. And South Island has less people. I just remember like, there's no one on the roads. You're driving around, you don't see anyone for hours. Um, it's yeah. a bit dream really. In terms of um, somewhere to settle, we all, you and Aaron, Aaron and I, both settled in Wellington. Mm-hmm. Cool city. Earthquakes, wind, great cafes, great coffee, great brunch, MOE. But then you've got some good hikes around as well. What do you think? Yeah. How, how do you sum up Wellington? Um, yeah, I think you've kind of summed it all up. Like the wind cannot be underestimated. It's yeah. pretty, you know, the earthquakes... We got woken up by an earthquake the other day, which was not fun. Um, But it's the best thing, I think, about Wellington, um, particularly if you're, you know, new to New Zealand, is that it's a really compact city. You don't need to buy a car necessarily. You can get around the city centre really easily. It's on the waterfront, which is just really beautiful. You know, and you've got... Yeah, we get whales, we get dolphins. Um, You're really close to the South Island, but also you're not too far from, you know, like the Hawke's Bay and Palmerston North, (laughs) (laughs) Wanganui. Um, But it's just a great, a great location. And you're kind of, um, you've got the backdrop of the Tararua mountain ranges behind you. Um, You've got we call it over the hill here, which implies that it's um, a small hill. But if you drive over the top of a mountain in the Tararuas, you've got the Wairapa region, yeah. which is a wine region. And it's got its own like kind of really hot microclimate, about an hour out of Wellington. We came it's in nice. that way um, from when we decided Wellington and um, like, yeah, we're going to live here. We drove that way and it's windy and it's uphill and I don't get travel sickness that bad. Um, but Emma definitely does. And she was feeling ill on that trip and I was feeling ill. Just that windy road up. It's horrible. It's horrible. And so 
as most people know, if you want to drive out of Wellington North, just go via Palmerston North. It's a bit, bit more flatter, quicker, and not as hilly. Yeah. Um, you just need to drive past Palmerston North and not stop there and keep going, right? Well, it's a good place for petrol, maybe. Oh, petrol's pretty <laughs> cheap, yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of the South Island, just another thing to tick off is I love Wanaka as well. It's a cliche thing to say, I know. But we spent New Year's Eve um, on the West Coast, which is quite a... I don't describe it. It's little towns, little gold, little mining towns, and mm-hmm. it's not never really big around there. Uh, Greymouth is not the greatest place, but the further That's you go funny, up, we spent um, we spent great. a New Year's Eve once in Franz Josef, which I imagine oh, yeah, is nice. probably a similar a similar vibe for a New Year as as Greytown, maybe. Yeah, Just but it's a, a tiny it's glacier there, right? Town. Did you glacier hike? Yeah. Um, we did the helicopter onto the glacier. Yeah, that's what we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were the last one that day to go up because the weather was getting bad. And you know, to a Kiwi fashion, you kind of thinking, "Oh, yeah, we shouldn't go up there." Like, nah, you're all right. We'll go up. It's, oh god, they'll all be good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose we spent quite a bit of time in the South Island actually since since you left. We've managed to do a couple of big camper van road trips, mm-hmm. and we've also done a couple of the great walks, which are more walking for Aaron um <laughs> which are based yeah we the, the two that we did have been based in the South Island so I don't think there's a huge amount we haven't we haven't seen yet mm-hmm. in the South Island I'd like to go to Stewart Island which is kind of right this little island that's kind of off the bottom of the South Island yeah we didn't, we didn't do that one mm, um, but Dun- Dunedin's, Dunedin's Dunedin that's a worth a little visit yes I really want to move to Dunedin. Yeah, a lot of people do. It's a bit like Scotland, isn't it? It's a Scotland of the... Yeah, it's a bit like... Um, it's like yeah, it is like Scotland. Like and it's got a massive Scottish kind of ancestry community there as well yes. from when um, settlers, colonisers <laughs> uh, came over. Um, all the Scottish people looked at Dunedin and said, oh, it looks like home. We'll stay here. For the party, so, yeah. party town, maybe. It's a university town, so... It is definitely a younger yeah. vibe, but it's got the tallest, it's got the steepest street in the world, I think. There, so whether visit, it does, it yeah. And then, um, did you when you were in Dunedin, did you go out to the Otago Peninsula? Yes, we did. We drove around there, yeah, yeah, which is just amazing. Yes, I think, great yeah, views. we spent Christmas on the Otago Peninsula and it was just beautiful. I think but like, I feel like I we didn't do it enough, we so we need to go back. Um, Dunedin, I want to spend more time in, I don't think we actually spent too long there, but um. Well, I might move there, so you can come visit me there. there. (laughs) (laughs) So to wrap up New Zealand, because we've got India to get to. um, Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, there's more. (laughs) New Zealand, for me, best place to live is Wellington. I'm not biased, I'm just saying it is. One of the best things to do there is Tongariro Crossing, which I've not done, but I do want to do. How can you recommend something you've not done? Because it looks incredible. It is. It's it's been voted the best day walk in the whole world. Um, But I think... Just to you know, do do due diligence. Um, yeah. It's not an easy walk. I've done it twice, yeah. and people go in their like little flip flops and you know with their bottle of Evian. Um, it it's a mountain, like it's a volcano, but it's a yeah. it's a it's a mount, it's an alpine range, mm-hmm. you know. And people do die on that walk. It's also twenty five kilometers long, yeah. so it's not, e- it's not easy. Like you know, just where not just you James but any of your listeners if you're going to do the Tongariro crossing wear proper shoes there's no water on the track so take a lot of water take a lot of food take a good coat do it properly don't die (laughs) 
Um, other things to do is skydiving in Taupo is worth doing. Uh, Rotorua is worth a visit. It's just a weird place where steam comes up in the town. Just very smelly. Very smelly. Smells like sewage, but worth a, worth a visit. And I think for me, the Hawke's Bay is kind of one of our favourite regions. Yeah, I was say that. Yeah. Um, if for anyone that's got like a lot of time, I'd recommend some of the great walks and, you know, like Abel Tasman National Park. Um, and one of my other favourite places actually is the Banks Peninsula, just south of Christchurch. Okay. Where we've got like Akaroa, which is like a little French oh, village. Yeah, we didn't go there. Yeah. Got lots of, um, lots of whales. They have like these tiny little native mm-hmm. New Zealand dolphins there. And yeah, it's a pretty yeah, cool place. Yeah, that place. But it's okay. another horrible drive-in. Standard Take base. seasickness tablets. Oh or no, road not, sickness. Not than that. But we need to crack on to India because this will be good for my next podcast episode, which will be okay. talking about a lot of stuff. But you travelled to India in what year? 2009. And you went on your own? Yes. How, okay, first of all, where did you go? Uh, what was your route? And how did you find traveling as a solo female in India? I'm not saying, I'm not insinuating anything. I just want to get your experience. Um, so I did a kind of um, extended golden triangle. Okay. Yeah. I think. So um, I flew into to New Delhi. Yeah. And then I got a train out to Jaisalmer. Yeah. Stayed there for, volunteered there for two weeks. Cool little place. Um, and then we kind of did a big circle. Um, yep, we went to Jodhpur, Chaipur, yeah. um, Udaipur, mm-hmm. um, Agra, I'd imagine. Yeah, Agra, and then up to Varanasi, and then Viking. back to New Delhi. Um, I think there was a few other places kind of in there. Obviously, this was yeah. like 12 years ago. Yeah. So yeah uh, so from my experience i did exactly i've done all those places um to give people an idea of what they're like uh jai samir is in the desert so i volunteered at a camel place we've done camel safaris um, i went on a camel safari who did you go with what what tour was it with oh my god this is 12 years ago okay well i volunteered <laughs> at a tour company called trotters trotters independent tours the funny story here is the guy who owns it he's called dell yep it's good so far He's never seen the show. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to read off some sayings here. Like, what we see? You want to stuff? No, never seen it. I was like, okay, fair enough. So that's camels and near the border. Um, we've also got Udaipur, which is a bit like Venice, the Venice of India, I guess. It's got like a yeah. I think Udaipur was one of my favourite. Oh, we also went to Pushkar. Did you go to Pushkar? Pushkar. That's where they do the, the camel. Um, competitions there i think we did go push car i can't remember much about and you it get though. like there's a there's a a fort or something and you go and you have like a ceremony and they put like red dot and yes. a rice grain on your head is that the place where they do good israeli food i'm, I'm making that up maybe it's a random place i went to there's a bit of an israeli community there and it's like great food but um yeah so daipur is like a bit like venice and then jaipur is a cool relaxing place agra is pretty grim but you've got the taj mahal Delhi is an unbelievably crazy place in terms of how busy it is. I cannot, you can't even describe it. When I went to what Bangkok, place, Delhi. Oh, Delhi, yeah. Bangkok is like a bit of a slap in the face in terms of a culture shock. That, whoa, Delhi is a completely different level. 
yeah like I so I went I was I must have been 20 21 yeah yeah if I went in 2000 yeah I think I was 21 and it was the first trip I had made by myself ever mm-hmm. and other than I think I went to New York for like three days you know but prior yeah. prior to that it was the first time I'd left Europe straight in and I really wanted to go to India and the reason why I wanted to go to India actually is because my mum went when she was 21 on Mm -hmm. her own which is just bonkers for me to think about now um but and at the time um you know 2009 lots of people were going to Thailand Mm -hmm. and I kept saying to people I was like oh you know I really want to go to India I really want to go to India and no one wanted to come with me and um everyone was like no we're gonna go to Thailand we're gonna go to Thailand but which is fine you know but I just I really had it in my head that I wanted to go and I'd been working really hard and I'd saved up you know like enough money Mm -hmm. and so I just went into STA and I was like I want to go to India oh yeah did they book all the tour for you they helped me book it yeah so it was um it wasn't like a it was kind of like somewhere between just leaving on my own and having a full tour does that mm-hmm. make sense? Like mm-hmm. they kind of helped me book things. And then there were some people that I met and we, we spent a lot of time together there. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I honestly, I didn't really think about it. I was like, I want to go to India. I'm going to go to India. And um, I got off the plane. It's the longest flight I'd, ev- I'd ever done. Yeah. And I'd never flown on my own, I don't mm-hmm. think. And um to to get off the plane and to walk into Delhi was like being punched in the face. Like I just, I remember being so overwhelmed. Yeah, and overwhelming. so like it's like an assault on every single one of your senses. Yeah. Like the heat is unbearable and the smell. There's so many smells and it's so loud, and you know there's there's things and people and stuff everywhere. Everywhere. It's crazy and. Yeah, people and might, I, might read I about... actually just couldn't wait to leave. Yeah, and and people read about this like, oh, I'm sure it's not that bad, but it really is. And it's not bad in terms of like, it's like causing you pain or anything like that. It's just it's just crazy busy and it's, it's hot and it's dusty. And it's just it's, too much to process, yeah, isn't you can't there? Process like Your brain it, yeah. just can't process it. And I remember so... getting on the, on the train and I don't know if you've got the tube in Delhi, but they have the women's only carriage my work get on the men's carriage you think with bags or something it's gonna be easy no they are literally pushing you in and it's like sardines proper sardines not london tube sardine these are indian sardines in terms of if there's a bit of space they're pushing you in they're on top of you it's crazy yeah we got the tube yeah i got the tube and that was just you know even that was terrifying like you go through a metal detector with a guy with a machine gun and you have to walk down you know the women's only stairs and go women's only carriages Mm. and yeah but as a woman you can go in the men's carriage but why would you like animals in there just go to your own carriage all sitting down nice and it's all a bit calmer there yeah um but yeah that's that is crazy and I, i remember the smog i don't know if you remember but on our hostel we could see there's a rooftop bar and we could see like the smog on top of the whole city and yeah. it's just this layer of yeah just smoke I, I guess yeah I I didn't spend long there to be honest I just I'd love to go back now you mm-hmm. know as a more confident traveler and also you know with that kind of knowing what will be there 
you know, it won't be, it won't be so kind of green and naive and yes. I, I'd love to go back and, and see if I enjoy it more now. I it's love such the a cool place though. India. And it's cheap. Such a great place to go on the budget. Yeah. Um, like I absolutely love the rest of, of where I went, Yeah, you know, mainly all around Rajasthan. Yeah. Um, Except I think Jaipur, I really didn't enjoy Jaipur. I had a bit of a bad experience in Jaipur. Okay. Uh, what about Varanasi? I would love to go back to Varanasi. It's incredible. Yeah. So um, did you go? Yeah, I had a bit of trouble there with um, doing too much bung in a, in a milkshake. But um... <laughs> I think we all had that problem. <laughs> yeah, we all had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you have to get your head around in Varanasi that people go there to die and or be burnt on the Ganges. So when you're walking along the Ganges, just expect to see some piles of wood and a body in there because then they, they then burn it and it goes into the Ganges. So, Do you know why you know why Varanasi is sacred, right? I don't even know. I probably got told so I too much out of it. The reason where Varanasi sits on the Ganges is the Ganges um, turns like it there's a it, it turns upwards to face a different direction okay. and then goes back down and that's where Varanasi is and um, Hindus believe that Varanasi um, so that the Ganges turned to touch the feet of Shiva and that's oh, right. why it's sacred great fact and that's where that's why that's why they, they dip in there for a wash is it yeah and to to drink the water which is just mind blowing <laughs> when you see what it looks like and yeah to, that's why it's so sacred there because that's where the river touch Shiva I see if you do go there I recommend a sunrise boat tour when before it starts getting a bit crazy yeah we did the sunrise boat tour quarter to six maybe something like that and it's just yeah a bit calmer it's like an unbelievable view and then you wake up um like as as the sun's coming up all the monks come out don't they and they're practicing their chanting and their yoga and stuff on the on the river banks and it's just an incredible place place. I'd actually like to go back and probably see a bit more yeah, um, I'd like India's on my never ending list of places to go. And you were on Indian Breakfast TV. I was. <laughs> I've never actually found the footage. I'd love to see it. Um, so I, we were in, um, I was in Udaipur and um, there was a festival going on. And um, I should have found out what the name of the festival is before coming on here, actually. But um, part of the festival ritual was everyone would kind of meet in the square, the town square at night. Mm-hmm. And you each had like, everyone was given two big sticks. Yeah. And there was a dance, like you had an outer circle and an inner circle. And then you would do this like routine, like hitting the sticks and then the circles would move. And so you'd have another partner and you'd hit their sticks. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And um, so we kind of gone and we were watching, me and some people that I met there, watching this festival. And somebody said, you know, do you want to join in? And I was like, yeah, all right then. No. So they gave me some sticks and I got really into it. And I was there for like quite a long time. And we had this like real, you know, it was really fun. I met lots of people. And then the next day, um, obviously Udaipur is really small, isn't it? Yeah. Um, And we were walking around and people... I suppose it was really strange, but people kept looking at me and pointing and then they'd like touch their friends and be like, look, look, and they're staring at me and everyone, everyone kept talking about me and, and looking and pointing and whispering. And I was like, what is this? Like, yeah. what is going on? And I was getting like really anxious, actually, mm-hmm. like, you know, that feeling like, you know, when you've been to a party or something and you've blacked out or something. And <laughs> you. I was like, oh my God, what happened? Like, I was just dancing with the sticks. And, um, 
then I got talking to this guy and he was like, you're, you're the girl who's on telly this morning. I was like, I'm sorry, what? He was like, from last night, you were dancing and then they covered it on the telly and you've been on like the breakfast, t- the breakfast news. And um, I was famous. In Did you manage to find it? Did you manage to see it at the time? No. Oh, but but everyone then kept telling me, yeah. And they were like, you know, I was famous for two days. And then they forgot about you, I guess. <laughs> and then I left and yeah, they probably, you know, filmed some other white girl doing something stupid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How did you find traveling on your own uh, in India, like as a female? Other than one incident that we mm. had, um, where I was in Jodhpur, yeah, Jod, yeah, and we were on like a little tuk-tuk, and um, people were spitting at us. Oh wow! Um, mm. That's the worst incident I'd had. But other than that, it was okay, mm. you know. Um, I never really went on my own. I stayed with people that I met, oh, yeah. including okay, yeah. a guy actually. So mm. perhaps it would have been different if I was totally on my own. Yeah, um, I, think- I also paid for things like, um, like we got first class sleeper carriages oh, done that, right. on the trains rather than, you know, the third class or, or whatever. So we had a private little and a little room with, yeah. So just little things like that. Um, I think in some ways I was probably, I think it was all, it was all fine. Actually, I had no problems. I wonder if, you know, partly just being 21, I'm really excited to be somewhere new. just didn't notice things. Yeah. I mean, notice things. I've got a pretty grim story. I'll share it. Um, Some that we met. So this, this Finnish girl came uh, to India on her own. And we met her in, I think it's a Jaipur actually, um, maybe Jaipur. Um, yeah, on her own, fair play. And she said, yeah, she had a bad incident on a, on a bus. Um, it's a public bus. Um, she said, yeah, I just going to the hotel and I had to go for the stop. And it wasn't like a tourist bus, it was a, a general bus in the city. I don't even know where this happened, but um, yeah, it's pretty grim. She got off the bus and then people started looking at her and she's like, oh, what are you looking at? And she looked down on her on her like um, pants, I guess, like yoga pants. Right. I think they're blue or purple or something. And she found this is going to be grim. Apologise. She found some semen on her trousers. She's like, "What the hell is that?" And she felt like really like humiliated and all that sort of stuff. And she had to walk and like get to the hotel, and it's just a bit grim. And yeah, someone awful. said on the bus that you can probably suspect certain people maybe like it's just a judgment comes in and then someone actually said to her there's actually a businessman in a suit who done it and she kind of said well why don't you say anything to him like, oh yeah he's like a bit higher and probably got a bit of money oh. and didn't say anything so yeah she had to like, walk the, up to um, a hotel like pretty familiar. the caste system in india is still very much kind of alive and kicking yes, isn't absolutely. it so yeah, huge, you yeah. know if that business guy was in a higher caste to you know that other guy then they wouldn't yeah. say anything to them they wouldn't say anything to him yeah and she, said, she even said that you know this guy must have been really close to her but she even realized that was happening which is quite crazy but that's that's just india because it's so busy all the time that you everything there's no personal books. space anywhere there's no space yeah. yeah so um that happened to her unfortunately but she carried on anyway and i think she stayed for six months so she was oh, smashing cool. it yeah amazing could i know finish india on your favorite food and then we'll crack on to my top 10 questions. Um, 
the best thing that I ate in India. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Oh no, it's not chips, is it? Uh, close. I got really sick. Yeah. Really, really sick. Like, I, I, maybe I should preface this that I had a lot of incredible Indian food and you know Indian's not the same since being to India like the food was amazing yeah oh my god no I've I've just thought something completely different I've actually got a good story to tell you <laughs> so when I was in Udaipur and maybe this is this is one of the riskiest things I've ever done in my life and I wouldn't recommend this it's a good story is it okay yeah it's a really good story um I really wanted to get henna on my hands oh yeah and I was looking around all of the different places and I found this one place that had photos and it was beautiful. Like it was really authentic mm-hmm. henna. And there was a guy in the shop and I was chatting to him and um, I was like, can I, can, okay, can I commit? I want to have the henna. And he was like, okay, sure. You have to come to my house. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, what? And he's like, I can't touch you. Like I'm a man. Yeah. My wife will need to do the henna. You need to yeah. come to my house. And I was on my own and I was like, yeah okay then (laughs) so I went with this random guy to his house which is something I'd never ever ever recommend anyone do but um his wife was there and I spent the whole afternoon she did both of my hands front and back Mm -hmm. with this this the most intricate beautiful henna and um she didn't speak English and I obviously didn't speak Hindi, but we mm-hmm. we were kind of sort of vaguely communicating. And then her kids or their kids came home from school and yeah. they can speak English. Mm-hmm. And so we were like having this huge kind of chat and they were um, like showing me videos of Michael Jackson and showing me like their dance moves to Michael Jackson and stuff, which was just, you know, like it was just so amazing. But she cooked me dinner. What and you cook, yeah? uh she cooked me two different types of curries and then yeah. chapatis. Yeah, chapatis. And then oh, they yeah. taught me how to eat with one hand. Yeah. And it's the best India. Like, it was just amazing. So that's the best food I had in India. Oh, nice. Uh, mine's pretty similar. We had a cooking course and there's a lady in her house. And she cooked so much food. Um, but my actual dish that I love, and it might sound really boring, I love alu gobi. Ali Gobi done well is amazing. Unreal, and I could not get enough of it in India because in India you, you might think oh, I have like chips. On it. If we have, you have rice, pretty much at least twice a day, if not three. So for me, it's Ali Gobi, Ali Gobi all the way. That's my favourite. Yeah. And um, it normally comes sometimes in a tali, and a tali, traditional tali in India is all you can eat, and yeah. they have like different pots of food. You get your rice, you got chapati, you got your your two, three curries, you got dal, and if you run out. They just um, grab some more for you. Yeah. Like one pound. So that's my favourite food. Okay, right. You've got some questions to answer before we wrap up. Okay. And you cannot think about these. It's what you first comes to head to your mind. So are you ready? Yeah. Your favourite beach? Um, The San Blas Islands. Okay. Favourite coffee? Don't drink coffee. Brilliant. Favourite city? Medellin. Yeah. Favourite trek? Uh, the Kilatoa Loop in Ecuador. Lovely. Favourite country? Big cliche. Peru. Peru. Favourite party place? Berlin. Yes. Favourite landmark? Machu Picchu. Okay. 
Is that a landmark? Yeah, we'll granny that. Um, Favourite cuisine food? Um, Indian. That's what I've got. Uh, Favourite activity that you've done? Uh, for for example, mine, mine skydiving. What's your side? Scuba diving. Scuba diving, yeah. Favourite country to live in? I suppose I should say New Zealand, <laughs> but I, I have I've I've lived in Berlin as well, and I really enjoyed living in Berlin. Okay, uh, no, favorite, New Zealand. New Zealand, yeah, has to be. You're still there. Favorite lake? It's a random one. Um, Laguna Sixty Nine in Peru. Okay. Followed very closely by um, Lake Wakapitu, which is where Queenstown is. Yeah, yeah, great lake. And the last one is what you would consider as the country for the best value for money in terms of travel. Columbia. Columbia. Nice. There are quick fire questions. You didn't spend too long thinking about them. <laughs> um, so we're going to wrap this up uh, with a few quotes. Um, I love finishing on quotes. And before we do the quotes, I just want to say uh, thanks for coming on. And people, if you get a chance to have a listen, uh, please rate it if you can on various platforms. It'll be available on Spotify, Deezer, Spreaker, all all details on the website, jameshammond.org, and it's also on my Instagram store bios, on two accounts I've got. And what is to come? My next one, I think I'm going to do a podcast on traveling via a group with your partner uh, and solo. So uh, I'm going to discuss those three because I've done all three, and I think they all have their merits. So, favorite quotes to finish on? I've got two, so I'm going to go first. Is that right? Yeah, go for it. Okay, well, the first one's from Kathy Heller, which has a well-known podcast called Don't Keep Your Day Job. She's written a book, okay. which I'm reading at the minute, Don't Keep Your Day Job. And here's her quote. The opposite of depression is not happiness. The opposite of depression is purpose. What do you think about that? I read something really similar the other day, actually, about something about happiness is like not being bored. Yep, I quoted that on a, on a few podcasts ago, yeah. That was on my podcast. <laughs> It's Tim Ferriss. The opposite of that's happiness is boredom. That's where I heard that. Um, that's <laughs> yeah. where I heard that. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tim Ferriss quotes that in his book. The opposite of happiness is boredom, uh, which might resonate with some people who are just bored in their jobs, like I am at the minute. That's why I'm quitting mine in 2022. Second quote is from Chris. I can't pronounce his last name. Chris Guibu, who is the author of The Art of Nonconformity, and he says. Regret is the thing you should fear. If something is going to keep you awake at night, let it be the fear of not following your dreams. So they're my two quotes that, not really travel quotes, but more getting you thinking about, do you know what? If you want to go traveling, do it. What's your quotes or quote? I only have one. Yeah. Um, and according to um, the internet, <laughs> it's by St. Augustine, but who knows oh. who actually said it. Um, the world is a book, and those who do not travel read only a page. Oh, that's a bit deep, isn't it? There you go. God, yeah, that's what I've been thinking it. Because my dad would say, oh, why are you going there? Just watch it on TV. I'm like, no, dad. You don't watch people going to places on TV. You go and do it yourself. Um, mm. Certainly makes me laugh all the time. He's like, oh, where are you going next? Oh, I'm going, probably going to go to Brazil. Just watch it on TV. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I, I cannot recommend people getting out there enough. Um, I say it for every show I do, but they're good quotes to have a think about. And to finish, any future plans for non-COVID um, New Zealand or Australia potentially? What are you thinking? Um, yeah, we've got a few, a couple of little trips in New Zealand again planned this year. Um, we've had a lot of plans cancelled due yeah. to COVID, um, including a trip to Japan. So Japan oh, is probably that. high on our list. Yeah. Um, and I think a Canadian road trip is high on our list too. 100%. We want to go from um, Calgary to Vancouver Island. Um, but I'm, we'll I'm go when you're not there. I'm going to shamelessly plug my camper van now because we've got a camper van here in Vancouver and we're going to rent it out. So if you need a camper van in Vancouver to rent out, it can house two people, uh, get in contact. It'll be available for Monday. Cheers, Rachel. Um, <laughs> anyway, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Um, I'm sure we'll do another one because I think there's loads of places that we have not discussed. So um, yeah, we'll maybe we can um, episode yeah two. we can talk about more of South America. Yeah, so time places, better better non dying stories. <laughs> and maybe get Aaron on. We'll see. Yeah, we can get Aaron on. Yeah, cool, great. He doesn't thanks remember so where we went, so <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to forget. Bless him. He's traumatised. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you soon. Okay, bye. bye.